This is a story for those who wish that they could truly read between the lines of the book they were reading and see the world of the story through the eyes of the author. For those who wish that they could make nonfiction from fiction. For those who wish that dreams were true. This is a story of a group of wayward friends who came together from the far reaches of two worlds to come together and to help make dreams reality. This is Hazeltown's story. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Hazeltown Story. Um, so last week I was expecting to have another recording session in which, you know, we would actually continue on for game, but fate did not want us to have that session. Uh, a lot of things happened that kind of prevented us, uh, not only me, but the players from being able to, well, give it, basically it would not have been a good session, even if we were able to, you know, have it. So we decided to take a week off, uh, which unfortunately meant that I um, had a gap of no content that I could put into an episode because we had finished the last recording session of the last episode. So um, what I'm going to do this session is I'm going to try something that I'm kind of thinking about uh, interspersing with some of the um, recording, like the episodes going in. Uh, basically, something that I could put in between, um, like, um, the episode itself. Like, like not quite a commercial break, but, like, where a commercial break would be. Uh, something to break up the session, or the even the part of the session into, you know, a little bit of a chunk. And just kind of give you something else to kind of, I guess, listen to um, that's not just us playing the session and to also give a little bit more of the lore of the world, um, which is kind of what I have now. Uh, I have two little segments that I wrote up to um, kind of explain some of the lore of the world. Uh, the first segment being a more deep dive into the background of Lila Moore, who is one of the, basically the character that I'm playing as in one of the avatars that you've seen if you watch my Retro Rank Rhapsody. Uh, you've probably seen her on screen several times. Um, but yes. Uh, also, the other thing that I have in here is a kind of a basic overview of how the rules of magic work in the Hazeltown universe. Um, so they're kind of a little rough, I'll admit. Um, but I couldn't really think of anything else to do. Uh, so I figured I'll have this as kind of a test to see is this something that I'd kind of want to put in between the episodes or like not in between the episodes, but in the middle of the episodes to kind of break um, kind of if there's a lull that I could put something in there to kind of make it a little bit more interesting or kind of to take a step back from the current session. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and start. Lila Moore, born February 21st, 2044 AR in Belfast, Northern Ireland, on the planet Romulus. Lila was the third of four children born to Sir Thomas Moore and Rashmi Moore. From a young age, Lila was primed to be her father's successor to his businesses and was pushed to excel at school, which she was able to do naturally enough as she was a very bright child, albeit one that was a bit of a troublemaker. The most annoying thing to her parents was that not so much that she was rebellious, it was that she was able to be rebellious while still being an excellent student throughout her academic career. 
When she began to show signs of great magical potential in her teens, her father decided to enroll her at the Prismstone Academy of Enlightened Humanity in the Moonbeacon region. There, she showed great prowess of magic as well as continued academic success. At Prismstone, she was able to learn the arts of traditional wizardry. In particular, she excelled at the art of magical sharpshooting using amplifiers, as well as barrier magic and also conjuring magic. It was there that she had acquired a familiar for herself, a raven that she named Anders. On the academic front, she had started to learn that she had had a great passion for history, as she was exposed to history that she would not have learned just living in Northern Ireland. It was also around this time that her younger brother had started to become proficient at school in a sense that made her realize that she would probably not be the best heir and that her younger brother would probably be a better heir. And then looked at her life goals and decided that she did no longer want to enter the business world and inherit her father's business. She wanted to dedicate her life to learning the history of the world. While her parents initially frowned upon her desire to enter the scholarly world rather than the business world, they were happy for her as they realized that it was her father's time trotting the globe that resulted in her existence to begin with. Lila's father even helped her with this aspect by helping her find locations that she could spend studying abroad various locations around the two planets. In the summer of 2065 AR, Lila was studying abroad in the Castle Rock Republic, where she and a group of students took a trek across a mountain range near the Brynjörsk castle and came across a hidden layer of an expert telepath and his students. Since the telepath was impressed by her ability to find the lair that was hidden by magic, he invited her to stay with them for a week. One of the telepath students was a dragon named Theron Pendragon. Theron and Lila hit it off very well and quickly became friends over shared interest about seeing the world. After Lila graduated and returned home to Belfast, she quickly learned that Belfast was quickly turning into the epicenter for the Troubles, which had made finding employment and general life difficult. It was also around this time that Theron had relocated to the Steinwald on Remus to help a friend of his master. He offered to help her get a place in the Steinwald where it was pretty safer, to which she accepted. Once she became acclimated to life in the Seedbearer region, she found employment at a museum focused on Romulan history as a curator and researcher. She was happy that she was able to find a place like this in the Steinwald that she was able to call home, and she was able to help people out doing what she loves. While it took her a while to get used to the way that Steinwald operates, she was able to quickly get used to life there. It helped that she was able to make quick friends with a fellow immigrant to the area named Somnia Akula, a horsewoman from the Life's Canopy region. Somnia and Lila were able to bond quite well together, and what started as a friendship eventually blossomed into a romantic one. While Lila had relationships in the past, they never lasted long as the political climate denied her the ability to truly be open as a woman who only had a heart for other women. However, the progressive climate and welcoming nature of the Seedbearer people allowed Lila and Somnia to also explore their true desires, and made them, which made them both happy. It was also through Somnia that Lila came in contact with Rhapsody, Lomi, and Radio. Lila was able to hit it off relatively well with both Rhapsody and Radio, but there was something about Lomi that it seemed like they were destined to come together and clash with each other. They're not necessarily enemies, 
they're pretty friendly with each other most of the time, but Lomi and Lila have a particular rivalry that seems to have come out of nowhere, other than it seemed to be somehow fated by the gods. It was also through Rhapsody and Radia that she happened to come across Bibli, through in the Hazeltown Library, with which Lila was able to bond with on a level not many can. Perhaps it is their mutual love of sarcasm and generally being, well, jerks to people, or a matching no-nonsense attitude that makes them well-matched. Lila is perhaps the person that Bibli is most able to connect with other than maybe Cass. Speaking of Cass, Lila met Cass through Theron, and the two also became quite good friends, namely over a love of competitiveness, of which Cass is very easily able to bring out the best and worst of Lila's competitive side. Lila is fairly content with her life right now, and when the scrying project came along that Theron was working on, she was happy to hop on board, as well as joining Theron and the others with their project. She feels that this could be another step with her answering her calling, as she feels that this project could, she doesn't know how, but somehow open up answers to questions that historians have been asking for eons, and she could be in the forefront of it. The Rules of Magic It has been found that about 30-40% to 40 of humanity exhibits some ability to perform some form of magic. Current studies believe that it is something within the brain that performs these powers, but it is not perfectly clear. Between the different metatypes, it is found that, well, almost all the metatypes fall within the previously mentioned 30-40 to 40 range, with the exceptions being hominids, which fall just slightly below at around 25%, and the locust being at 100%. It is also found that it is not necessarily always biologically passed. Having parents with magical abilities tends to increase your likelihood of being able to use these abilities, but it's not a guarantee. And also, while someone may possess these magical abilities, it does not necessarily mean that they can do anything with them. Utilizing magic is something that must be taught to the user rather than something that comes naturally. The exceptions to this are clairvoyance, which is most likely self-taught due purely as a survival mechanism to prevent vivid dreams and visions from causing significant mental harm, and also the fact that there really aren't teachers of that because it's so rare, uh, the other exception being technomancy, which is designed to be so easy to use due to the invention of the Leyden battery that anyone can use it. The other magical disciplines can usually be taught relatively easy as one magic user can mentally link to another and teach them magical, simple magical actions that way. More advanced techniques can also be taught the same way, but they usually also require several months of practice, if not years, if not decades. Access to training is also something that is not exactly common. Due to the potentially lethal capabilities of these abilities, it is something that is often restricted by most governments. These restrictions can include either access to implements or access to training. Outside of animancy, audio magic, and technomancy, the majority of the use cases of these magics were basically for combat, and something that really only soldiers or other kind of fighters would use. Animancy and audio magic requires quite a lot of training and allows only the truly dedicated practitioners to be anywhere competent with them. Telepathy is something that is relatively rare and does not have that many dedicated schools to them, but they do exist, although they sometimes keep their existence secret. 
How these schools of magic differ is normally how they are cast. There are two schools of how these magics are cast, external and internal. External magic involves drawing out activated dust in the atmosphere and turning it either into a shaped form or a wave that can be used to accomplish some task. The most common combat trick used by magic magicians is the magic missile, which is itself a ball that is formed out of this dust, which is usually superheated or supercooled, and then guided at speed towards target where it detonates on combat. Another example of the use of external magic is to extend a blade of a knife to turn it into a sword. The energy summoned in this way has the appearance of neon that grows brighter the more potent the spell is. One key thing about external magic is that it requires the use of an implement which needs to be made out of a handful of materials. The most common of these materials is albinium, which is a metal made of various ores found on, Mos on Romulus and Remus. This metal has an almost pure white sheen with a hint of silver and a hardness which makes it well suited for blades. Another metal which is commonly used is atranium, which has a similar quality to albinium, but is a black sheen instead of white. The most potent material to make an implement out of, though, is rainionyx, which is a form of onyx that, rather than being layered with normal minerals, is layered with several magically potent materials or minerals, which can greatly enhance the magic or the power of spells. Internal magic involves the manipulation of existing material to have it work in a way that the caster desires. This most commonly done in the way to manipulate another human body to work in a particular way. The most common form of this is animancy, which manipulates the body in order to heal itself without the use of physical medicine or surgery. Another form of internal magic is telepathy, which allows one to manipulate the emotions of another in order to make it easier to have that person do what the caster would want. Another form of internal magic is technomancy. Technomancy is the magic of using your body as a battery to power techno-mechanical devices. Both forms of magic draw from the mental energy of the caster, and while physical capability can help give the user more magical endurance, discipline and practice are what really required for a potent magic user. Thank you for listening to Hazeltown's Story. If you'd like to get updates on this show and many other shows hosted by me, Lola Puzzlo, you can follow at Hazeltown Story on Twitter. And if you would like to get to know me more from a personal standpoint, you can follow my personal Twitter at Lola DePuzzlo. If you would like to watch this be recorded live, you can go to twitch.tv slash Lola and follow the channel for notifications of when this show, as well as other shows like RetroRank Rhapsody, are being recorded. If you would like to add this podcast to your podcatcher of choice, you can search for WLDP Hazeltown Radio and find us on most major podcatching search engines. Or you can manually add rss.hazeltown.life to your podcatcher. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come around for the next episode.